Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Hangouts and Headlines, November 17th, 2023, for another spin around the University of Michigan football program. And before we talk about what's been going on with them, I do want to give the now traditional disclaimers for me. I am a Michigan Wolverine. I'm a fan of the Michigan Wolverine football program. And so you should take what I say with whatever grain of salt you want to apply. But I will try to be as unbiased as possible while we analyze What's been happening with Jim Harbaugh, Michigan football, and sign-stealing operations? So before we get to that, it's Hangouts and Headlines, and I apologize for not being a Hangouts and Headlines host for a couple of weeks now, but I'm glad to be back here, and I'm glad to see you all in the chat and commenting. Good morning to everyone, or good time zone, wherever you're at in the world. I look forward to hearing from where you're chatting in from and what comments you have if any on this topic or others it's hangout time so i'm happy to talk about whatever you want to talk about in this space before the show started we were talking about board games and video games a little bit that was fun and yes chat i am not wearing a hat that is true so good on you that is a good attention to detail i'm glad that you're here Uh, Mary Jane says, go blue, but also go Bucks." I don't know how I can make those things work unless you're talking about the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA, but I hope for a good, well-played, fair game next Saturday when Michigan plays the Ohio State Buckeyes. And until then, we'll see what happens. Super Say says, good morning from the Edmonton, Alberta area. Good morning. It's where one of our Canadian friends, Ian Runkle, hangs out. Traveling Science Band says, I'm in Peru, but originally from Vermont. So good morning in both Peru and Vermont, Traveling Science Band. Tammy Aegis says, when the Buckeyes win, which, like dividing by zero, may be a time that never comes. We don't know. Lindsay, good morning to you in Seattle. I've been watching a lot of Frasier lately, so that's my connection to Seattle. That's what I got here, so... I hope you're having a great morning and there aren't any sitcom psychiatrists in your office or nearby. Brentwood Sheik says, good morning. Good morning, Brentwood Sheik. Nice to see you here. Katie Q says, a Spartan here with a green heart and a laughing on the floor rolling over emoji. Hey, Katie Q. Sorry about that loss earlier this season, but I have a lot of Michigan State fans and friends in the family and in the area. I live in Michigan, so there's a lot of Spartans around here. I wish you the best of luck. Against the Tide says the Michigan Marching Band did a very heartwarming thing a few years ago. Yes, I think you sent me the video about them inviting the the, the youngster into the, into the training room, right? So Against the Tide is a great follow on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it now if you're interested in those kinds of things. Constantly sharing AI photography or artwork of me and the rest of the host of the BitCast as well as things like a Michigan Marching Band video. So definitely check them out. Dolly Lucky says, hoping my Tigers win the Iron Bowl. Yeah, I, I hope everybody that follows a college sports team here in America has the success that they deserve and that, they, that their team has some success playing their rivals. Now, I can't say that for all sides because a football game has to have a winner of some kind. But, hey... I wish you the best of luck in the Iron Bowl. 
Megan Jernigan says, good morning from Taylor, Michigan. Go blue with the maize and blue hearts and a little M. Thank you so much, Megan. I'm very hopeful for them to win tomorrow against Maryland. Sorry, Maryland fans, if you're in the chat. Good morning, says Dragon's Lair Gaming. And I've got a Dragon's Lair arcade machine right over my shoulder here. So that's very cool. Good morning. Morgan says, hey, finally catching a live. It's 9 p.m. here in Bangkok. Hi, everyone. Oh, calling in from the future. Thank you, Morgan. I appreciate you, and I'm glad that you're here as well. Java for Andy said, I made it. Morning, friends. Waving emoji and hearts around the face emoji. Thank you so much. Traveling Science Man says, I'm guessing the new Frasier. No, I have not checked out the new Frasier yet. I'm watching old 90s Frasiers. I'm in like season six. Blessed Mommy UV4 says, good morning from SoCal. Good morning, Southern California. That is early for you. It's a really good morning. Majesty ZX, morning from Escoda. I have to be honest. I don't know where Escoda is, but good morning there. Mike GT1110 says, good morning, Hogue. Lions are going 13 and four. Lose to Dallas on the last try of the game with a bad defensive pass interference flag. Very possible. 13 and four would be an amazing record for the Detroit Lions. So we'll see. Katendra, thank you for being a member for more than a year. I have the week off from work and get two Hogue lives. I appreciate it. Yeah, I think this is a great way to segue into talking about what I want to vis-a-vis -vis our schedule here on the channel. Obviously, it's been a little touch and go. When I went to the wedding in Virginia, I didn't come back and start streaming as quickly as I had hoped. Part of that is because I've got a lot going on with various aspects of my recovery, but part of that is because it's it's hard to hit the button when I'm kind of floating schedule and bringing on that kind of apprehension is a tricky thing post-stroke. So one of the things I wanna do is set a more standardized schedule here, not a completely standardized schedule. I think what we're going to wind up doing is an early week video, a Monday, Tuesday type video, and a late week video, a Thursday, Friday type video. So much like this week has panned out and have either two virtual legalities, two hangouts and headlines, or one of each, depending on what news and what's happening in the world that particular week. But that'll allow me the flexibility I need to prepare on any given day, as well as a structured schedule to make sure that I continue doing this because I love this. I love talking with you all. I love having these conversations. I love being in this space and, and going over media things and going over legal things, but it was getting a little bit tricky for me to actually set up the videos without a more structured presence. So I'm glad you have the week off of work, Katendra. I'm glad we were able to do two lives and hopefully this will be more of the pattern going forward from here. So thank you so much, everybody. And thank you everybody who commented on the various posts that I've put up kind of asking about what the schedule should be. I think that's where we're going to wind up because I kind of need a little bit of time between the videos. But as it stands right now, that's what we're looking at doing. So thank you, everyone. And of course, good morning to co-counsel. How are you doing, co-counsel? I hope everything's going okay in your side of the house. <clears throat> Sardinisms became a YouTube member. Now, I, I thought Sardinisms was a member, but Thank you and congratulations. Welcome to the membership of the Hoglaw YouTube channel. I hope you find it as rewarding as possible. 
Tubby Telly asks, have I been live for 14 hours? I've been alive for 14 hours, but I've not been broadcasting for 14 hours. No, my timer says I've been broadcasting for about six minutes. Jen B says, I love Frasier, such a good show. Yeah, it's interesting to go back and see situation comedies from when they were more comedies about situations because Frasier does a lot of good work setting up situations that escalate in really bad ways like older sitcoms used to do. And so it's nice to kind of go back to a time before everything was single camera comedies or a little bit more, let's say cynical in the, in the 2020s. And so it's, it's nice to pop back and look at sitcoms from before. <clears throat> Sardinism says, yeah, YouTube finally is letting me fix my memberships. Oh, that's why I got the message about you. They've been broken for like a week and I couldn't even re-up them. Reset my timers though. Well, I'm sorry about that, Sardinisms. I will give you full credit for whatever your timer is. I really appreciate it. Larius says, good morning, everyone. Happy face emoji. I will be gone in a minute to take care of a kid, but it's nice to say hi. It is nice to say hi. Thank you for saying hi in the chat and good luck with taking care of your child. Sardinism says, looks like the solution is everything was flagged as inactive and I have to re-up, but hey, at least I can re-up now. Yeah, in terms of YouTube, sometimes subscriptions come off, sometimes memberships come off. So if you are interested in subscribing or becoming a member to any channel, not just this one, make sure you check that from time to time because YouTube just does what it will if you're not checking to make sure that you are subscribed or a member of what you want to be subscribed to or a member of. Or as Traveling Science Man says more succinctly, ah, YouTube can be annoying. Very accurate. All right. Me and my A, how did I miss you? We're in my neck of the woods, Virginia. Hope you enjoyed it. It was great. It was a wonderful road trip with my wife. We got to go see friends for a wedding. It was wonderful. And I believe Rob at Lawn Lumber put up a photo of my visiting him at his home in Virginia on a Friday night frenzy of his a couple of weeks ago. So if you're interested in that, I think you can check that out. I don't know whether he would have tagged it in a chapter stop or not, but I believe that he did share that photo with folks. So we were visiting with him. It was a great time. It was a great trip. And uh, I look forward to taking another road trip with co-counsel soon. Or as she says, it was just what we needed. It was a beautiful drive. It really was. Driving through the Northeast of America in the fall is really, really gorgeous. Hedgehog in Space says, Hogue, I need time between videos. Also, Hogue, ooh, an excuse to talk about Michigan football. Yeah, give or take. I mean, obviously, for years now, I've talked about my love of the Michigan Wolverines. So this particular story hitting and having media impacts has become a playlist unexpectedly for me because I don't generally talk about sports in this space. But... It is something I'm passionate about, and folks have told me that when I'm passionate about things, it's still interesting to hear me talk about them, even when they don't know the subject matter. So hopefully that holds true, because I am passionate about this, and we do have some stuff to talk about, because news happened on this score yesterday night. <laughs> Your side of the house, that sounds terrible. It's not a separation of the sides of the house between us. It's just that... I'm in my office, there's a closed door here, and I know that co-counsel is almost certainly just across the door or tending to her garden. So I don't know where she is specifically, and I wasn't going to lay out the various rooms in my house on YouTube. I'm still at least inhibited enough to know not to do that. 
Coparistic says watching Frasier is fascinating because technology changes generationally as the series goes on. Personal computers, cell phones, internet, etc. I did notice that from the start of the series to now, where we're at season six, they have incorporated cell phones a lot more into the plot lines, which makes sense because they started in the early 90s and they're now in the late 90s. So that is an interesting aspect of this. I think it's interesting from a writing standpoint because a lot of what they do in that show is what we would consider kind of standard sitcom tropes. A dinner party gone wrong with escalating problems and various people coming in and out of frame and whatnot. And those seem very novel and new when compared to everything that's on TV right now. So it's interesting to pop back to the 90s and watch some of those things take place. And Frasier is very well written for that particular trope type. So I've been enjoying it a lot and it doesn't it doesn't require a lot of extra brain power to enjoy. So that's always nice at the end of the day as well. What else do we have going here? Let's see. Against the Tide says we should come to Utah. I would say I'm selfish, but you all have lots of Utah fans. That's very nice of you to say. I really appreciate it. I'm not sure we could do a road trip out to Utah, but it's certainly some place that would be interesting to see. And I know you've got a lot of great national parks out there. Super Say says can confirm. Don't know football. Do enjoy listening to you talk about football. Right. And here's where I say American football, because some people kept coming to my DMs or chats and say, I keep forgetting you're talking about that American football. And I think you're talking about soccer. So, no, we're talking about American football here, the Michigan Wolverines, college football. And we will get into some of what happened in just a minute after we're done hanging out a little bit more. And he says he showed a small group of friends on Friday Night Frenzy. I believe that's got to be Rob. So good to know. Shell, thank you so much for gifting Hoglaw memberships on the channel. I really appreciate it. And for those of you that get those gifted memberships, thank you for joining. And I hope you have a wonderful time as a member. Co-Council says we can road trip anywhere, Hogue. Maybe. But it's just a matter of how long I can go in the car and how long we can actually go driving together. And since I'm not contributing as much as I otherwise should be, on the driving portion of things, I don't want to commit you to overly long drives. So there we go. Mary Jane says, boo, soccer. I, I actually like soccer. I played soccer for a lot of my youth, and I, I enjoy watching soccer on Saturday mornings here in the United States. Uh, in fact, I did that on the road trip with my wife. Marissa says, road trip to Tennessee to see Emily D. Baker. It's on our list of possibilities, certainly. Um, so who knows? May do that. You could always fly and then drive, says Kelly C. Yes, I could. Uh, truthfully, I have not gone to the airport and done a flight in this post-stroke world of mine yet. So that's one of the things on the list of things I will eventually have to do and I have not done yet. It's a long list of getting back to the things I used to be able to do. So. Wolf says, yes, Emily and Hogue collab would be the best. I don't know. When we get together, things tend to happen like Wood Daddy stack. So it's always a question. Uh, Emily likes to see what kind of response she can get from me. So we, we will see. But certainly Nashville, Tennessee seems like a fun place to go visit. Hedgehog in Space says flying is overrated. A little bit ironic from a hedgehog flying through space, but fair enough. 
Or as co-counsel says, if you fly, then you miss stopping at all the scenic overlooks. Yes, I don't think she minds being in charge of the car as much now because she does get to stop wherever she wants. Uh, and that did include a scenic overlook in the state of Virginia that didn't have much to overlook, honestly, but it was fun to stop. Mary Jane says, in space, it's called floating, not flying. Well, you still had to get to space somehow, right? <laughs> Do you and co-counsel now refer to each other with your online nicknames? I think the, the funniest thing you would find in our house is that my wife tends to call me Hogue now, which is new and an interesting aspect of our relationship. That wasn't the case before all of this online. But do I call our co-counsel to her face? No. That's just kind of a reminder to me that we try not to use the names of our kids or the other people that aren't online, right? That aren't putting their face on a camera and broadcasting directly. So I don't use my dad or my mom's name. I don't use my wife's name. I don't use my kids' names. That's just kind of a policy we started when I started this. Emily says, always love a good Wood Daddy Stacks callback. Laughing emoji, laughing emoji, laughing emoji. Yep, that was a heck of a stream. It's funny, that's all before everything that happened this year, obviously, and I think of it almost as a dream state because everybody was going and doing their own things on that particular stream, but it is it is a crazy one and people seem to like it. Mrs. Hoglaw says, I call you a lot of things, ha ha. Yes, it's quite the hangout when Mrs. Hoglaw is, is ready to, to kibitz, huh? Sardism says, I appreciate you keeping your kids' privacy in mind. That was one of the very first things we talked about when I started doing videos was we're not going to broadcast their names. We're not going to broadcast their photos. Uh, and that was that was an easy pick for us. Now, they're still allowed to do what they want in this and get involved as much as they want. So you can hear, for instance, my eldest child's name in the Stranger Things postmortem that we did together because that's what she wanted to do but we didn't want to take that choice away from them, certainly. Tracy G, good morning to you. Thank you everybody for being in chat on this kind of randomly scheduled hangouts and headlines. I really appreciate you always popping in, no matter when I schedule it. It's always really nice to see so many people here, so thank you so much. Hedgehog in Space says, trust a lawyer to protect their name, image, and likeness. I'm not so great at protecting mine. I, of course, use my own name on Twitter, X, and YouTube and use it in the firm name. But I think it's important to give people the choice on their own rather than just kind of voice them on the internet. The internet is great, you guys are all wonderful, but as you all know, it can also be horrible. So yeah, I think I think it's up to them to decide when they want to engage with this, if at all. Mary Jane says, you start talking Stranger Things and I just hear Maya Hawk. Yeah, well, she's a part of Stranger Things, and she's she's very good. I, I I understand that they are starting to film season five now, so it looks like it will still be a year plus because of the strikes for that particular season. But we loved season four so much. Traveling Science Man says, by the way, my mother-in-law had a stroke, and you would never know. I am so glad to hear about people recovering and, and getting through that process because it is such... A big thing it is such a mountain to climb and it's still in the back of my head and i'm still thinking about it even as i broadcast here today on hangouts and headlines about whether or not i am doing everything correctly hitting the right buttons thinking of the right things as i used to 
So if your mother-in-law had a stroke and you would never know, I am so happy for her traveling science band. Thank you for letting me know. Kristen M96 says, it always throws me off seeing Hogue with hair. I was late joining, so I know this was probably already discussed. Someone did mention that I'm not wearing a hat and I am not wearing a hat, but no, I appreciate that. I don't wear a hat every day. And certainly after my stroke, I've worn it a little bit less. I do still have the scar. I think you can see it. Maybe not on the film, but you can see it there on the left side of my head. Uh, and so I wear hats a little bit less frequently, uh, but I do appreciate people noticing. That's nice. Java for Andy says, got to head to a meeting, so the rest will be replay crew. I hope everyone had a wonderful day and that we'll get to do this again soon. I hope so too, smiling emoji. Uh, and have a great meeting. I will look forward to seeing you in the replay crew. And everybody, these, of course, go into the archive and are available after these are recorded every single time. So if you miss one, don't feel bad. I know the chat is fun, but it's still good afterwards. And uh, people come into the replay in the archive and they have a good conversation. So... Thank you so much, everybody, whether you're here the whole time or whether you're in the replay crew. Newt says, in my younger kid years, there was no generally available internet. Started using it during my teens, and it was still uncommon back then. Must be so different growing up nowadays. I think so, right? I'm, I'm in the same way. Email kind of got popular slash invented when I was in late high school. So we weren't communicating electronically with anybody. Uh, and that is very different for my kids. And, and kind of the parenting questions are, when do you give a cell phone? When do they need it for? How much do you monitor them on anything that they're doing? And it's an interesting question. My kids are fantastic and they're very adult or mature about what it is that they're experiencing and, and what works or doesn't work for them in pop culture. So I have a lot of trust and conversations with them about a whole lot of things all the time. For instance, if you didn't catch the BitCast this last week, you may not have heard that I played Alan Wake 2 with my eldest daughter. And there's a lot of stuff in that game that is probably inappropriate for most kids her age. But you got to know what your kid is up to and, and where they're at with respect to their development. And she's been great with it. She understands, you know, you don't talk like those people. Um, in the game and we won't get in trouble with your mom and that kind of thing. And we have those conversations and we get to have a really good relationship talking about things that I would say outside the house, people might not be thrilled with me sharing with her, but she's fantastic. And you kind of have to play it by ear when you're doing those kinds of things. Tammy E says, my husband and I had the first computerized medical office in the town we lived in, in the eighties. And that is awesome. I, I I love hearing those stories because our house was basically the first house with a computer. My dad loved the Macintosh operating system to start out with. We got a PC in the 90s and we had Laserdisc player and an Intellivision and all that stuff. That's really where my love of video games first came from. And so I love hearing about folks that were adopting those things early on in the 70s and the 80s because that's really cool. It's, it's a wild step to take to arrive at the world in which we live now. Statistical Bet says navigating children on the internet slash social media is wild. I had a lot of opinions, still do, but I have a child coming and I feel a lot less confident now. I don't think you can ever feel 100% confident about the choices you're making. You got to make the best choice you can, but your child is going to inform a lot of that decision making. I used to think before kids that there were very specific kind of guidelines around whatever it might be, language, violence, 
um, what you're experiencing on the internet. And realistically, even between the two kids that I have, there's differences in how they approach things from a pop culture level and what they should be exposed to and not. And so I really think you have to play it by ear with what your child is telling you, and you'll feel more confident as you get to know that person. Newt says, as a kid, I often used to head off into the city on the weekend and just wander about and chill for the day with the only way to contact my dad being a phone box. Yeah, I used to go to various places around the city and only have a phone card to, to go and call back. And I remember vividly losing that card and having to make a collect call to my parents. And if, if you haven't done a collect call, the way it works is the operator essentially asks the person you've connected with if, they, if they're willing to accept a collect call. But there's a there's a beat in between when they ask and when the person responds. And I got my whole message in. I, I shouted it at, at my parents before the operator was able to ask and then hung up and didn't know that that was not the proper procedures for that, but wound up getting picked up from wherever I was at. I want to say it was a basketball practice uh, using that method. Not what I would recommend, not really how you're supposed to do collect calls, but that's how I did it back in the early 90s. Netmag, just with the shout out for Intellivision. Yeah, Intellivision was fantastic. B-52 Bomber. Voice commands. What, what, what could be better? Emily Aaron says, I remember playing a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy game that ran on DOS. Yeah, it was an Infocom game. It helped to be written by Douglas Adams, the author of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Text-based adventure games were awesome, but the kids don't like that non-graphic style anymore. In-house Bathco says, good morning. I want to let you know I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I'm using what I learned from you slash Rick Stroke video. Oh, this is to Mrs. Hoglaw. I apologize. To get through it with strength. In-house, I am so sorry to hear that. And I am so glad that my video series can be of some help to you. I, I am so sorry to hear all of that. And I hope you get through it as best you can. Thank you so much for the kind words. Mary M says, I think Rick wanted to set up some cameras, but we can do this, the game thing another time if that's causing the delay. No stress. Eventually, I want to have cameras that allow me to do a little bit more stuff in the physical world here with potentially board games or something like that. But I haven't really been able to set up a bunch of new stuff as we kind of get back to treading water and, and swimming the way we used to swim last year before we make major changes to how everything operates. Now, that doesn't include swinging the... the desk around here to point a different direction. That was a change my wife made. And I think it's a good one. I think the background is better and more fun. Uh, but yeah, I think we want to put some cameras and some mics on arms and things. So I'm not leaning over a mic that's on two legal books. Uh, but we'll get there eventually. And we'll do some fun stuff with the channel, I think. But I don't want to overcommit because I'm still trying to figure out what that schedule can be. And I don't want to disappoint anyone. Against the Tide says everyone did collect calls that way. Uh, I was a kid. I really didn't know that was the process. Uh, and I, my recollection is the operator kind of laughed. Uh, but um, it's a long time since then, certainly. Brentwood Sheik says 42. Oh, sorry. Heard Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That's right. The answer to life, the universe, and everything. 
42. Definitely read that book if you haven't. I love it. It's one of my favorite books of all time. Um, but uh, it is very British in its humor. So if you don't like British humor, I'm not sure it's going to work for you. But as someone that really likes it, it is a perfect book if you're just looking for some weird British humor. Thank you, Brentwood Sheik. 42 to you into in, indeed. Papa Rick says, ooh, a game stream from Rick. I'm intrigued. Well, we had talked a couple of episodes ago about potentially doing member supporter streams uh, that would do something that weren't related to law specifically or things that I wanted to make sure weren't paywalled, like playing a video game or playing a board game. And so I'm still thinking about that, but I also want to make sure that I can keep up with whatever pace or schedule that we set up. So still figuring that out long-term. <laughs> Hedgehog in Space says, New Hogue is open to better streaming tech. Nice. I am open in general to more changes, but it's it's going to be a while yet. And certainly co-counsel has to convince me to make certain of the changes. <laughs> Ms. VG3 says, how's the day job going? I'm sure your clients are glad you're back. My clients have been fantastic this whole year. Um, and one of the things I did early on this year was basically say that I would respond to everything everybody needed, but it might be a little bit longer than usual. And I would be a little bit more hard to contact. And everybody was great with that. Over the last little while, I've basically been trying to tell folks that I'm back to full time as much as anybody needs me. So if you're doing any transactions or anything like that, I'm available. But like everything, you you change the spigot, you, you change your your temperament and your availability and moving it in any direction, whether it's less or more, takes a little bit of time. So my clients are, are glad that I'm back, definitely. But we're still getting back into a kind of normal cadence for us at the Hogue Law Firm. Rainman YYC, thank you so much for gifting five Hogue Law memberships. I really appreciate that. Every little bit of support from all of you is so, so helpful to keeping this channel going keeping the family fed, to be to be frank, keeping all of this working and having these conversations in this space. So thank you so much for that support. I really appreciate it. And thank you, everybody that's just commenting and chatting and having a hangouts with us this morning. Every little bit helps. And all of that makes for good content and good conversations. So thank you so, so much. Newspin asks the important questions. Did you lose many clients during the downtime? I would say that I trimmed some of my relationships uh, at the firm and, and some folks decided that they needed to go with other counsel because they had an emergency that I honestly couldn't handle earlier months this year. So I lost a few, but no, the, the, the firm still has most of its client base. So I appreciate the concern, but no, it's, it's been really wonderful to see my clients, even, even the company's vendors really come together and say, oh, this sucks, Rick, and and try to help me through a challenging year. So it's been great. Hedgehog in Space says, this transaction paperwork isn't that bad. It's not like dealing with a stroke or anything. Is the new, it's not rocket science. Honestly, you know, the, the, the legalese, the paperwork, even these videos are so different from what I've been doing all year that the real transition challenge for me right now is doing these different things that I used to do that aren't rehab, that aren't therapy, that aren't whatever it is that I'm doing the rest of my time. So it's it's been a weird transition and trying to work back to that is actually one of the harder parts of all this right now. 
but yeah, I appreciate it. It's, it's not, it's not like dealing with a stroke or anything is certainly true. All right. Newt says trilogy in five parts, referring to the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy trilogy, which does have five books in it. So do enjoy folks. That's the kind of humor you can expect. I, I love that book series so much. So please do check it out. Hedgehog in space says, sounds to me like one of the benefits of running your own firm is curating a good customer base. Yeah. And I was fortunate enough to do it. Right. So when I left the bigger law firm in 2016, one of the things I did was really focus on the clients that I had a good relationship with that I was proud of working for and with and doing things that I wanted to do. And so by the time I have my stroke in 2022, yes, my vendors, the business that I had built, the friends that I had made, the contacts I had, the clients that I had were all folks that I had wanted to spend my time on and energy on. And that really did come back three to five fold, right? So that was a great advantage to all of this. And part of the blessings that I've had in my life, whether it's my wife or my work, is that my life was set up in a way that really did give me the best chance of succeeding when I had a stroke in my early 40s. And that is the grace of God. That is the blessings of my life. Uh, and I am so, so thankful for that. But it's it's not it's not something that I did deliberately. It's just a matter of trying to pick that out, trying to pick those clients out and those connections and relationships out before any of this happened. So I got very lucky and very blessed there. Thank you, Hedgehog in Space. And speaking of blessings, here's Dad Hogue calling in from points that are not in Michigan right now. So this U of M Big Ten agreement sure surprised me, but Harbaugh's explanation was pretty classy. We'll talk about the explanation given by the University of Michigan and Jim Harbaugh in just a minute. Dad, you're, you're, you're scooting ahead of the hangout section here. But yeah, I, I'm not... I'm not sure. We have a lot to talk about vis-a-vis -vis whether or not the University of Michigan bailed here. I, I certainly think they look weaker than they did the last week. But yeah, we'll talk about it. Thank you so much for the super chat, Dad. I really appreciate it. Britt, thank you for the super chat. Well, 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 we meet again, Mr. Hogue. Time to see what you think about Jimmy Hardball's news. As much as I do not like the guy, everyone being suspended on just accusations gets old. Yep. And I think we're going to wind up in the same place, right? So we did a number of videos in this space, the Hoglaw YouTube channel, that talked about some of the deficiencies of the Big Ten rules and the sportsmanship policy, as well as the NCAA bylaws that are happening with respect to all of this. And part of why I think certain people are disappointed is that Michigan dropping its case, which is what we're going to talk about today, means that we don't get to adjudicate any of those things. And part of what we talk about in law school as a for instance, is the fact that the justice system is really kind of bound by the fact that it's talking about specific cases or controversies between parties, right? So in this case, it was Michigan and Harbaugh against the Big Ten. <clears throat> and there are reasons for neither of those parties to proceed with a legal action, primarily because nobody can guarantee what a judge is going to do in their head, especially for something like an equitable ruling, like a temporary restraining order or a preliminary injunction. And so when that is in fact the case, you can't have that 100% guarantee and you're paying lawyers every day to argue these points for you, there comes a point where settlement is often the best solution. And that's why so many civil cases settle before they even get to litigation. From a societal perspective, that means we don't get answers to the questions we have. 
regarding these things, like how the bylaws work. What is the limits of the power of the Big Ten commissioner when they're using the plenary authority granted to them in their sportsmanship policy to enforce things that they admit might not be NCAA violations in their own letter to the person being suspended who's not being suspended because they did anything wrong, but because they embody the university? Like, is all of that legitimate from a legal perspective? I certainly have my doubts. I have my questions. But we're not going to get answers to those questions because Michigan doesn't deem it necessary to pursue that litigation to the end. And very often that's how the justice system works. So there's a little bit of a virtual legality aside here in Hangouts and Headlines. But one of the issues we have with justice or intellectual property or any of these other things that are very vague and you hear me talk about them as not fully adjudicated is that the actual parties that get to the end state to actually pursue litigation on these points deem it to be not as valuable as settling for whatever reason. And so that's part of the conversation we're going to have here. And I think that's actually a great segue, making sure I don't miss any super chats here, to talking about this uh, media option in question. So let's talk about it right now. So... Before we get started, I do want to mention again, and folks, I think know this already, but I like to mention it because it reminds me to check on these things from time to time, that you can support the channel through the links in the description of this video, through Playor, which used to be Utreon, or Patreon, a little bit more familiar of a crowdfunding source. And that makes this channel possible even more than ads or super chats or memberships on YouTube because YouTube doesn't uh, get its 30% cut and various other things that happen with the way that it sells its ads on this channel. So if you're interested in supporting the channel, please do check out those or becoming a member of the YouTube channel or Super Chats. All of those things help, as you've already seen in this Hangouts and Headlines. And I want to remind myself to go and flag those things both at the beginning and end of the video to make sure I don't miss any of you wonderfully generous people helping make this channel possible. So thank you so much to everyone. I really, really appreciate it. And if you're just here in chat, you're just talking. If you want to like, if you want to subscribe, if you want to share these conversations, all of that helps. I, I appreciate every every bit of it, whether it's money, whether it's just sharing, whatever it is. Thank you so, so much. I also want to mention to folks that I did start a playlist for this. With the, this was the fourth video here. So Michigan backs down on Jim Harbaugh's suspension is the fourth video here. This is called Wild Stallions. It should appear on the front screen of the channel if you're interested in following all the things we've discussed here about this. This will be the fourth live stream and I think probably the final one unless something really big happens before the end of the season here with respect to the University of Michigan. But I wanted to mention that and then I wanted to talk a little bit about the statements here. So as a kind of front end, here's the ESPN article. Michigan's Jim Harbaugh accepts Big Ten's three-game suspension. And if you weren't here with us for those earlier videos in the playlist, what happened here is that the NCAA is doing an investigation of the University of Michigan football team to determine whether they violated NCAA bylaws for conducting an in-person scouting operation of other football teams to determine their signs and signals so that their coaching staff could have an advantage in knowing what the other teams were going to do. Now, the reason that's a question of whether or not that's a violation of the rules is that the in-person scouting concept is somewhat defeated by the fact the staff member on Michigan that appears to have orchestrated this, Connor Stallions, which is why it's called Wild Stallions as a playlist, hired other people, sent tickets to teams that were going to face Michigan later in the season to people around the country to go and take what looks to be iPhone videos 
of the sideline and then send them to him. And there is a question as to whether that's in-person advanced scouting at all, because it's not him being there. Uh, so there is a question as to whether that rule was violated. There's a question as to whether Connor Stallions attended certain of these games. The investigation is not complete. And the Big Ten, which is not the same as the NCAA, but is the conference in which Michigan plays sports, entered in and said, well, this is a violation of our sportsmanship policy, regardless of what happens with the NCAA rules. And Michigan, the athletic director, the president, and the head coach, Jim Harbaugh, all went ballistic at once and said, we're going to fight this in court. We're going to go get a temporary restraining order. We think this is a ridiculous use of the Big Ten's powers that the NCAA hasn't even finished its investigation. The Big Ten doesn't know anything on its own. And I covered those things on this playlist to talk about what the issues were with those bylaws and why this was probably too far afield for the Big Ten. This is not how the Big Ten would ordinarily operate. And that led to yesterday where Michigan backed down in a very unusual kind of way because they were projecting strength. They were saying that they were going to fight this, go to the mattresses on these various things. And then they backed down. So a number of people asked me the question last night, why did they do this? What does it mean for the University of Michigan? And this is the way that this has been reported. So Jim Harbaugh accepts the Big Ten's three-game suspension. Michigan and coach Jim Harbaugh have agreed to the Big Ten's three-game suspension of the Wolverines coach, the school announced on Thursday, which means Harbaugh will not coach Saturday at Maryland or in the regular season finale against rival Ohio State. And that's a big deal because Ohio State's a top five school, just like Michigan is. In the rankings, they're fighting for the national championship. And the winner of that game goes on to the Big Ten championship game, and the loser just finishes their season. So the fact that Jim Harbaugh won't be coaching that is a big deal. And the game against Maryland tomorrow on Saturday is slated, if Michigan wins, to be the 1,000th win in the University of Michigan football program's history, which is the most in college and would be the first team to reach 1,000 wins, and Harbaugh won't be on the sideline for it. So it is a big deal, and it isn't the kind of thing that Michigan would ordinarily just back down on without fighting, but here we are. According to the statement, the university said the Big Ten agreed to close its investigation, which means there won't be a hearing Friday morning as was planned at the Washington County Courthouse. Now, that's a weird sentence because there won't be a hearing today, but it isn't because the Big Ten agreed to close its investigation. It's because Michigan decided not to sue for a temporary restraining order or preliminary injunction in this case. So according to the statement, the university said the Big Ten agreed to close its investigation is nice, but this which means is nonsensical. There's not a hearing because Michigan is dropping its lawsuit, not because the Big Ten agreed to anything in particular. The case has been formally dismissed in Washtenaw County Court. And we'll look at the statements in just a second. Attorneys representing Michigan and Harbaugh had initially filed a motion asking for an emergency temporary restraining order along with a breach of contract complaint. The hearing Friday morning was scheduled so Michigan attorneys could try to argue before a judge their reasons to have Harbaugh reinstated. The Big Ten statements that a commissioner's duty to protect the integrity of competition will never waver. We'll talk about the Big Ten statement as well in just a minute. But if you want more discussion of that Michigan lawsuit, you can check out the video, A Man for All Football Seasons, here, the last video we did in this playlist, because we do talk about that extensively, as well as the letters between the Big Ten and the University of Michigan. Uh, but for, as it stands right now, none of that's going to come to fruition because the university is not going to pursue this litigation. Harbaugh has served one game of the suspension as he watched last week's win at Penn State from a hotel roughly 20 minutes away. Michigan would earn its 1,000th 1, win Saturday if it beats the Terps. The Terrapins, the little turtles, are the Maryland mascot. Defensive line coach Mike Elston said for Harbaugh not to be a part of that would be an absolute shame. I would say to me and everybody else that would be his win, Sharon Moore, the interim coach, 
It wouldn't count as mine. He's the head coach of this football team, and I'm just standing in there to make sure we don't mess it up, which is how Michigan winds up beating Penn State by calling 32 runs in a row from Mr. Sharon Moore. And I don't know whether that'll work against Maryland. I don't know whether that'll work against Ohio State, but it is going to be what Michigan is looking forward to in the future. And that's kind of the most neutral take on describing what happened here from ESPN of all places, which has not been so neutral in discussing these various things, including one of their commenters, Paul Feinbaum, saying he won't recognize Michigan as national champion if they happen to win the national championship because of all this. Now, the University of Michigan put out a statement. <clears throat> this morning, the university, Coach Harbaugh, and the Big Ten resolved their pending litigation, which in most cases means that they settled, that there's a settlement agreement between the parties that says we're going to rescind our legal action and you're going to do something for us, like close your investigation. But there's going to be a little bit of a dispute here when we look at the Big Ten statement. The conference agreed to close its investigation and the university and Coach Harbaugh agreed to accept the three-game suspension. Coach Harbaugh, with the university's support, decided to accept this sanction to return the focus to our student-athletes and their performance on the field. The conference has confirmed that it is not aware of any information suggesting Coach Harbaugh's involvement in the allegations. The university continues to cooperate fully with the NCAA's investigation. So this is the University of Michigan statement, and this part here about not implicating Harbaugh is important because what we saw in those Big Ten letters was that originally the Big Ten wanted to penalize Harbaugh on the notion in the NCAA bylaws that the head coach is responsible for everything that happens in their program, regardless of whether they knew about it or not. And essentially, Michigan argued that that bylaw is not its own violation. You can't penalize Harbaugh under a responsibility standard under rules that are not yours, that they are the NCAAs and not the Big Tens. And the Big Ten then changed its course in the letter that actually penalized Harbaugh to say this is not a penalty of Jim Harbaugh. This is a penalty of the University of Michigan. And Jim Harbaugh is the embodiment of the university for this purpose, which is a novel legal argument and one I would have wanted to see adjudicated. Uh, but that's what Michigan got out of this is that the Big Ten is not going to investigate it any longer, meaning they're not going to penalize the university or Harbaugh until the NCAA makes its decision ultimately. And there are other commenters on Twitter and elsewhere that say that the Big Ten is reserving its the right to reopen its investigation or penalize Michigan if other coaches are found to have known about this. But as it stands right now, what Michigan got was the Big Ten not bringing another penalty or otherwise pursuing this through the postseason, which if Michigan beats Ohio State and Maryland in the next two weeks, they would be participating, one presumes, in the college football playoff. And the concern from Michigan's side would appear to be that the Big Ten either found something which would be, of course, disastrous for Michigan, or was willing to be a wild card enough to do these penalties into the future and potentially take a national championship away, and the University of Michigan didn't want to go through with that. Now, the Big Ten, because this looks weak from the University of Michigan, and I'm fully willing to admit that as a Wolverine here, the Big Ten took its moment to preen a little bit. The Big Ten statement said, the Big Ten Conference's commitment to student-athletes, sportsmanship, and the commissioner's duty to protect the integrity of competition will never waver. And it's no better implicated than by suspending the head coach of a top-10 football team on the flight to his, to his road opponent. No, nope, that's not in there. Today's decision by the University of Michigan to withdraw its legal challenge against the conference's November 10th notice of disciplinary action is indicative of the high standards and values that the conference and the university seek to uphold. The University of Michigan is a valued member of the Big Ten Conference, and the conference will continue to work co cooperatively with the university and the NCAA during this process. 
So if you look at these two statements together, one thing that you'll notice is that this doesn't describe a settlement, right? Today's decision by the University of Michigan to withdraw its legal challenge shows how high our standards are, et cetera. And that has opened a question that a number of people have asked for me is, is there a formal settlement here? And I think the answer to that is we don't know and we are unlikely to know. Uh, and that is because a settlement agreement between the University of Michigan and the Big Ten Conference <clears throat> would, as part of its terms, generally say, we will retract our legal action and you will do something for us and you'll stop your investigation or whatever it is. But the Big Ten doesn't talk about stopping its investigation and says it'll continue to work through the process and then says that Michigan withdrew its legal challenge. Now, this could just be playing with what is an existing settlement and the Big Ten has not operated in glory here on any of this stuff in its letters or otherwise. So it's hard to just take this on its face, but it could also be describing a fact the university is not playing entirely fair with its statement and that there wasn't a settlement. Michigan just agreed to withdraw its legal action and the Big Ten said, fine, we'll stop doing this, but it's not a legal type document. And certainly one part that goes to that story is that these statements do not appear to have been agreed to by the parties, right? I can't imagine the University of Michigan would have agreed to this statement because it is preening and it does kind of call into question what the university was doing. And so in general, if you're going to enter into a legal settlement agreement between parties like this, one of the things that you do is get either consent rights between the parties for whatever public statements are gonna go out. So Michigan would have to consent to this and the Big Ten would have to consent to Michigan's or you draft those statements up in advance and their exhibits or included directly in the settlement agreement itself. That didn't appear to happen here. So it's a little bit unclear whether there was a formal settlement. And certainly, as I said, it looks like Michigan just folded. And the question becomes, why did they fold in this particular instance less than 24 hours before they were going to have their hearing? And there's a number of answers you could give, one of which is, Jim Harbaugh is telling the truth here, and he thought it was a distraction for the student athletes and their performance on the field. And he would have gotten the chance to see this whole practice week with this cloud hanging over the school and them not knowing who was going to be their coach on game day and potentially looked at that and said, actually, they're not practicing as well as they should be. And I need to get this distraction away from them. That's kind of the most genteel, generous interpretation for the University of Michigan. Another could be that Michigan really did fight very hard and had a lot of strong messages on the Saturday of the Penn State game. And perhaps Jim Harbaugh thinks he serves as a better kind of martyred symbol than a coach on the sideline for this purpose and that his team is galvanized to, to work for him and quote unquote free Harbaugh or what have you. Although I think that's somewhat lessened by the fact that the university isn't backing him up anymore. Or of course he's guilty. The big 10 found something and they want to stop discovery and they want to stop that whole process, which I think certainly some of the rivals in this particular chat would suggest is in fact what's happening here. I can't speak to any of that. I don't have any more facts than you do on the ground on this particular issue, except that I've been watching from afar and the Big Ten is not a body as part of this story that I think we can trust implicitly. So I don't know exactly why Michigan decided to do this other than the Big Ten threatening to use its big stick in the TRO hearing, in the preliminary injunction hearing. And of course, part of that entire question is that there was no guarantee that the hearing was going to go in Michigan's direction because the sportsmanship policy with the Big Ten really is very broad. And the Big Ten has a lot of authority there that probably can't be interpreted as their commissioner wants it to be interpreted, but that a court is going to be at least conservative about striking down and or there was no guarantee that it was going to be done on a time frame that would have helped them, right? 
they were only arguing about due process. They were arguing about breach of contract, not the merits of the underlying case so much. So let's say Michigan wins and it takes an extra week. Jim Harbaugh still doesn't get to coach in the Maryland game. He might get come back for the Ohio State game. But then the Big Ten says, all right, we'll go through this whole process. We'll do the investigation like we're supposed to. And now we're going to penalize you for the Big Ten championship game and the college football playoff game. So it's possible the Big Ten was threatening stuff behind the scenes. And Michigan just said, well, it's not worth it on a non-100% chance of a win, which no legal action is, to go and potentially delay the penalty to games that are even more important than these games, even though these games are very important. So we're all guessing as to why this happened the way it did, but certainly the university backing down when it did looks weak, which is one of the reasons why the media went with some of these headlines, right? Here's the New York Post, which we've talked about in this space quite a bit because they do tend to more tabloid headlines. It says, Jim Harbaugh gives up fight, accepts suspension from Michigan sign stealing scandal. Gives up fight, obviously, big editorializing of what happened here. You could just say this headline is, Jim Harbaugh accepts suspension, but gives up fight, adds a little bit of color there. And then the article actually starts out with Jim Harbaugh will not successfully pull off an end around in court. Now, an end around is a football play, so it's a reference to football plays in general. But certainly the way that you read that in the article context is an end around is a kind of loophole concept or getting around justice. Jim Harbaugh will not be able to get around what he was accused of and is suspended by the Big Ten for. Last week, the Big Ten announced that Harbaugh would be suspended for Michigan's final three regular season conference games after the program was embroiled in a sign-stealing controversy. Michigan unsuccessfully sought a temporary injunction that would have allowed Harbaugh to co coach last Saturday, which is an interesting way to describe the fact that the court didn't hear the temporary injunction arguments and put the, he the hearing for this Friday, today. However, on Thursday, Michigan announced it was giving up the fight. And then you see the statements we just read followed up by the conference has confirmed that it is not aware of any information suggesting Coach Harbaugh's involvement. The university continues to fully cooperate with the NCAA investigation. The remainder of Harbaugh's suspension covers this week's game against Maryland and next week's rivalry matchup against Ohio State. Michigan has been accused of a sign-stealing scheme that was allegedly led by former Marine Connor Stallions, who allegedly traveled to numerous future opponents for the purpose of deciphering their offensive and defensive signals. Now, there's interesting things happening here, one of which is that Whenever you put two allegedly's in a sentence, it looks to me like your lawyers are a little bit concerned about your sentence in the first place. And so there are two allegedly's here, allegedly led by Connor Stallions, who allegedly traveled to numerous future Michigan opponents. I don't think this was alleged by anybody, honestly. When you look at this and you look at the letters from the Big Ten, you look at what the NCAA has put out there, you look at other media reports, no one has actually suggested that Connor Stallions traveled to numerous future Michigan opponents. It's possible that he traveled to some that's kind of reserved in the Big Ten statements and the Michigan statements in response. But for the most part, this sign-stealing scheme, to the extent it exists, has been reported as Marine Connor Stallions, or just Connor Stallions, when we're not saying former Marine in front of his name, was buying tickets for people around the country and having them watch things for him. That's part of what the Big Ten and the NCAA argue, is that there's recording of these signals that's happening that's illegal for reasons that are put forth in their rules. But this is a different description of the scandal in and of itself. And certainly it is designed to be read as something that's more obviously a breach of the rules. To the extent that Connor Stallions goes and attends these games in person, it's difficult to argue that that isn't in-person advanced scouting. To the extent that he doesn't, you have to give cause and effect to the phrase in-person in the rules. There is an open question as to whether this actually violates those specific rules. And so this is a way to frame it as definitely violative of the rules. And by the time you get to the end of the statement, 
You got while sign stealing is not technically illegal, NCAA bylaws have prohibited in-person advanced scouting since 1994. And this sentence is interesting in and of itself, which is that no, violating the NCAA rules is never illegal. That's just a voluntary association contract. So illegal is continues to be the wrong phrase here, but we see it across the media when we look at this particular question. The technically is interesting. There's really only technically legal and technically illegal things if we're going to use that phraseology in the NCAA rules. You're either violating the rule or you're not. So technically isn't really uh, effective here. Sign stealing is just flat out not against the rules. And the, the New York Post uses these sentences and then this picture of Connor Stallions with the Big Ten Championship trophy to suggest certain things as we've seen the media do in other contexts. So by the time you get to the end of this article, they've decided to put a specific framework in your head, which is that Michigan's dead to rights. They definitely did this thing. It was very bad. It was a breach of the rules. And that's why they yielded and stopped their fighting, right? That's what the New York Post wants you to think about this particular issue. And I did see a couple of super chats. So let me grab those before we move on to the next headline here. I want to make sure I don't miss any. I think this is one I missed. Vicky at the warehouse. Thank you so much for the super chat. Almost missed this. Glad I happened to check my phone. I'm glad you checked too. Thank you, Vicky, for the super chat. I really appreciate it. And then I saw Kurt at Uncivil Law says, we love Hogue. Thank you so much for the super chat. We love you too, Kurt. I appreciate the support. And thank you for popping into, I think, almost all of these videos that I've done since I've come back. So I really appreciate it a lot. Um, NetMag says, I never understood how Stallions could attend those games in person when he was employed to be on the UM sideline. If you go back to the video we did earlier this week, the Big Ten letter actually specifies that the one set of tickets that they couldn't find transfers for were during weekends where Michigan was on their bye week, suggesting that Connor Stallions was at those games. But neither the Big Ten nor the NCAA appears to have those pieces of evidence or video or photo photography or anything like that. And none of them appear to have interviewed Connor Stallions as part of this investigation yet. Now, could things get worse from there? Of course. But they don't appear to have gotten to a point where anybody should be suspended yet. And that was part of the arguments that the university was making. Brett Cormier says... When I read a ton of dodge words in an article, I start to doubt the article. Allegedly, sources say, someone close to the story, LOL. I agree, Britt. That's exactly what happens with these kinds of things. And you can see the editorializing in the headline. You can see multiple allegedlies. You can see the framing of the Stallions affair differently than what anybody understands it to be. And certainly, we read through every bit of what the Big Ten claimed to the University of Michigan. And it's not as described by the New York Post. That's why Hangouts and Headlines exist, is because these articles sometimes play a little fast and loose with what's happening. Thank you so much for the super chat, Britt. All right, let's hit another headline here, because New York Post might be the worst with Gives Up the Fight, but I did want to check in on The Athletic, because The Athletic is really where most of this story started. Jim Harbaugh accepts three-game suspension as Michigan Big Ten resolved litigation. So this actually covers both ends. Jim Harbaugh accepts his suspension, doesn't give up fight, but that's as Michigan and the Big Ten resolve their litigation. So they're giving effect to what the University of Michigan said with respect to something sounding like a settlement. Certainly, this isn't going to continue in litigation, so they do settle it in that way. But there is a question, especially given that the statements do not match up so well, about whether or not this was a legal agreement or whether it was more of a handshake one. Jim Harbaugh won't have his day in court after all, says The Athletic, with another bit of preening. Harbaugh will serve the remainder of his three-game suspension after Michigan and the Big Ten announced Thursday that they have resolved their legal dispute. Technically, the Big Ten said in their statement that Michigan just removed it, 
The announcement came less than 24 hours before attorneys representing the two sides were scheduled to deliver arguments in front of a Washtenaw County judge as Michigan sought a court order to keep Harbaugh on the sideline. The Big Ten agreed to close its investigation while an NCAA inquiry remains ongoing. The Big Ten announced Harbaugh's suspension Friday afternoon as the team was traveling to State College, Pennsylvania. The university filed a motion later for temporary restraining order that would allow Harbaugh to coach while Michigan challenged the suspension. A judge declined to issue an immediate ruling and scheduled a hearing for Friday morning to hear arguments from both sides. And again, this description is better than what we just saw in the New York Post, right? That it doesn't imply that the temporary restraining order was denied. It's that the court decided not to hear it until they could hear from both sides. And that was first scheduled for today. Harbaugh said Monday he intended to speak at the hearing. I'm just looking for that opportunity. Due process, he said. I'm not looking for special treatment. I'm not looking for a popularity contest. I'm just looking for the merits of what the case is. Michigan is undefeated and sits at number three in the college football playoff rankings. The Wolverines will have a chance to claim the 1,000th victory in program history Saturday against Maryland before facing Ohio State in a game that will determine the champion of the Big Ten East. Offensive coordinator Sharon Moore served as the Wolverines acting head coach in Saturday's victory against Penn State and will continue in that role while Harbaugh serves the rest of his suspension. Why did the sides agree to end their legal dispute? I actually found this to be the most neutral take on why this might have happened, right? If you go on Twitter, if you go online, you go on social media, mostly you're going to hear, even from Michigan fans, as well as certainly Michigan rivals, that this is Michigan essentially admitting defeat, that they're admitting something's there and that they didn't want to fight this in the Big Ten because they're trying to avoid discovery or what have you. Neither Michigan nor the Big Ten wanted the spectacle of a member school taking the conference to court. There's certainly some truth there. It was far from a sure thing that the judge would side with Michigan and intervene in a Big Ten matter. That's definitely true. Nothing in law is a sure thing. And continuing to pursue legal action created a risk of prolonging the drama surrounding Harbaugh's suspension. In its notice of disciplinary action, the Big Ten reserved the right to impose additional penalties if more information came to light. Thursday's announcement means the league will step aside and await the result of the NCAA's investigation, which is what is called for in their bylaws. That's Rule 32 that we talked about before. That clears the path for Harbaugh to return for the postseason, assuming the NCAA doesn't intervene before then, which is unlikely. Harbaugh's suspension was bitterly disappointing to many at Michigan, but continuing to battle the Big Ten in a public lay would, would have made it difficult to keep the focus on the team. This way, Michigan can move forward with clarity under Moore and concentrate on winning its final two games. So like I said, this is a very neutral approach to this. This is a very kind of legally looking at this situation and why settlements happen, which is there are distractions, there are legal costs, and there are things that don't just relate to the merits of the underlying case that can impact these things. Does that mean that the Big Ten didn't find some kind of ace in the hole that implicates the entirety of the team and Michigan should be taken down for years and vacate their wins, et cetera? No, but it does mean that there are reasons outside of that ace in the hole kind of concept why the University of Michigan might take this step as much as those interested in the legal questions like myself, as well as in the outcomes of the team, would like to see this litigated because I would like to see what, if any, outside parameters there are on the power of the Big Ten that the schools appear to have agreed to here. Now, what will Harbaugh's absence mean for the team? Not having Harbaugh on the sideline for the potential milestone victory, the thousandth win, will be a better pill, but he can still coach during the week. That's what the Big Ten penalty said. And Michigan has won four games without him so far. On game days, I don't see it being any different, defensive line coach Mike Elston said. He has put his imprint on this staff and on this team. Whether he's with us on game day or not, we know what the direction is. We know the course of the program, and he's laid that out. Now, personally, this is a coach that is not Jim Harbaugh saying we're going to be fine, and I, I understand that. From the outside, I do think the team plays better and more effectively with Jim Harbaugh coaching on the sidelines on game day. One of the reasons why he makes the money he does, of course. But 
it is what it is. Harbaugh is not going to be there for the Ohio State game, and that's going to be an interesting thing. So that's that's kind of a neutral stance, I think, on all this. You see some of the stuff that isn't so neutral from the athletics. Spare us the drama, Michigan. At Penn State, Michigan didn't need Jim Harbaugh, a judge, or a sign stealer to keep rolling. The Big Ten's punishment of Michigan's Jim Harbaugh was sloppy, rushed, and pleases nobody. And Big Ten got only one thing right in the Michigan cheating scandal, not punishing the players. Now, that's another interesting aspect of this, right? If the Big Ten decided that they were going to punish players as part of this, that would be another reason why Harbaugh might otherwise concede the, the fight, as it were. But we have no indication that the Big Ten was going to do that. It's just another possibility in how we're evaluating what happened here. Certainly CBS, which is currently partnered with the SEC, but not next year where they're partnered with the Big Ten, has another kind of more neutral approach to their headlines. Jim Harbaugh, Michigan, accept three-game suspension from Big Ten. League ends its sign-stealing investigation. Now, I do think that this is actually not a great headline because it sounds like the sign-stealing stuff is over when it's not. The NCAA has basically just started. And the Big Ten stepping in to penalize without an investigation kind of screwed up the time frame here. And I think if you were just looking at this and this was the only information you had, it sounds like Michigan is, quote-unquote, in the clear that it's all done from just the headline, and that's obviously not the case. About 24 hours before Michigan and the Big Ten were set to meet in court to review the conference's three-game suspension of Wolverines coach Jim Harbaugh, all parties have decided to resolve their disagreement and move forward. Heed the resolution as Harbaugh accepting his suspension, which will keep him off the sideline through the remainder of the regular season. In return, the Big Ten has agreed to close its investigation into the matter. Michigan remains under investigation by the NCAA for allegedly stealing signs in an illegal fashion, given with the word illegal, rule-breaking fashion, a violation of the bylaws, whatever you want to say. Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti acted to suspend Harbaugh last week as the NCAA's investigation continues amid reported pressure from conference members. This morning, and we get the University of Michigan statement, the Big Ten subsequently comment, commended Michigan for the resolution. Now, again, CBS is going to be partnered with the Big Ten. They've already entered into their contract next year. So this is an interesting description of that Big Ten statement. Would you frame the Big Ten statement that we read earlier in this video as commending the university? There is one reference to that. The university seeks to uphold high standards, but it gives its credit to itself first and then describes the university as withdrawing its legal challenge because their commitment to competition, the Big Tens, will never waver. I don't think I would describe that as commending Michigan for the resolution, but that's CBS for you. This is the kind of stuff you get when you read these articles very closely. Harbaugh was suspended for violating the Big Ten sportsmanship policy, which was initially met with resistance from both the coach and the program. Harbaugh has denied knowledge of the alleged sign-stealing scheme spearheaded by ex-Wolverine staffer Connor Stallions. And interestingly, the CBS uh, lawyers include the alleged here as well, but not in some of the other things they say in this article. And the coach's legal team challenged the conference's authority to administer punishment without due process. However, the Big Ten countered that Harbaugh's suspension was a sanction against the school rather than a direct punishment of the coach. It didn't really counter that. That's what it first alleged because it changed its stance between letters. But that's closer than some of the other things we've read. The Wolverines and Buckeyes, both top five teams in the college football playoff rankings, will battle for a spot in the 2023 Big Ten Championship game and an inside track to the college football playoff itself. And I think that's all I wanted to talk about with respect to this article. So that's the situation on the ground as it stands right now. What do you folks think about Michigan? What do you think about how this was handled? The earlier videos in this series talking about some of the legalities here and what the settlement signals to the rest of the world. Let me know in the chat. I've said a couple of bits of my piece on this. I certainly think Michigan looks weak and the optics are bad from this particular situation, but I also can't imagine a world in which 
Jim Harbaugh either wants to limit distractions, wants to be the martyr for this because he finds that it's helpful to his team. There are references in his press conferences to essentially this being the best thing to happen to his team because they're galvanized and they're motivated and they feel like the world is against them and that can be useful in sport. But I don't know. What do you all think? I'm interested in hearing from you during our last segment here of Hangouts and Headlines on November 17th. Let me know. I will keep an eye on the chat. I'll try to make sure I grab all the super chats if, if I missed any. Let me see here. Aaron Morgan had a member message that I think I missed. Been watching for longer and so happy to have been a member for a year. Love listening to you chat, even if I don't know anything about American football. That's what I am hoping when we do these kinds of topics. I do like to talk about things that I'm interested in, obviously. Some of them have legal implications. Some of them have just media implications. But hopefully, when we're in a group like this, when we've got a great chat, we've got lots of good people talking to each other about things, reasonable minds differing on various aspects of these stories, that that is its own usefulness, its own utility, regardless of the underlying subject matter. So thank you so much, Aaron, for saying it. I really hope that is, in fact, the case here. That's what I'm trying to build. Ardo, thank you for being a member for 11 months. Why do you call a game which you play with your hands and a pig bladder football? I think egg hand would be more correct. I really do think that it comes from, like, uh... Australian rules football or something along those lines and, and got dropped to just football here. You'd have to look at the Wikipedia entry or something along those lines for the story. I agree that football is not the best description of what it is, but I do love the game, whatever you call it. Sugarbag78, thank you for being a member for a year. Hangouts and headlines always makes for a great morning. Hearts around the face emoji. I really appreciate that. That's a very nice thing to say. And I really do like doing these things with all of you here. So I appreciate it. And Tammy, he's remembering to say the things that I forget to say all the time. Remember to hit the like button. YouTube loves it when you hit its buttons. It's, it's very easily aroused that way. So please do hit the YouTube buttons. It, it really does enjoy it. It puts these videos out to more folks. More folks get to see it. This gets bigger, more people get to see it with us. It gets more support. We get to do it more often. So yeah, hit that button. It's very good. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Mary Jane says, I don't see that being a positive for Michigan. I don't know what the reference is to here, but it might've been something that I said. Uh, certainly, I don't think this news cycle is a positive for Michigan. I think it optically looks bad for them because they were banging their drums so high that, at, that when you cancel it at the last minute, it looks bad to everybody that, that looks at it. Even lawyers, I say, I, optically, it looks bad, even when I can kind of rationalize why you would want to get to that point and decide not to. Callista says, I feel like if Ohio State wanted an actual fair fight, they'd want Michigan's head coach to be on the sidelines. Part of the story here is actually that Ohio State might be the most hurt by all of this, which is to say, Ryan Day, the coach of Ohio State, who's going to go into the Michigan game again, it looks like undefeated, just like Michigan is, is going to try to beat a Michigan team with an interim head coach without its with its main leader. And if he can't do that, that looks really bad for him. And even if he does that, there's going to be this kind of, not asterisk necessarily, but understanding that they weren't beating Michigan at full power. right? Michigan, for 17 years, lost to Ohio State every year except one. And that one year was when Ohio State had an interim head coach, Luke Fickle. 
And most Michigan fans, I don't think, really counted that win fully because Ohio State had a bad year under that interim head coach and didn't really play very well against Michigan. So Ohio State is not in the best position here because Michigan's not going to be at full speed. And if they lose, it looks worse. And if they win, it maybe looks a little bit less awesome than it could have been. Koparistic says, my argument for Michigan is that he was already, he already was suspended a game. He saw the team practice and played well without him and took a gamble that they can get through Ohio State game versus the championship games. I think that's a possibility, although I don't think that the Penn State game was as impressive as some of the media reported as. I think that Michigan really tightened up in the second half of that game, just did runs, 32 straight runs in a row, I think. And I think that really did have the kind of old-school Michigan, Lloyd Carr-led uh, clinching aspect of we're just going to try not to lose that is going to lose a lot of games against big-time competition. Unfortunately, Penn State fans, I don't think your team is really as good as was suggested either by the preseason polling or what you wanted to believe this season was to be about. So I don't think that what Michigan showed last Saturday is going to work against a team like Ohio State, but I would love to be wrong there. I would love to see the Michigan Wolverines win whatever they're facing. Traveling Science Man says, Hogue, it comes from playing on foot versus on horseback. So against like polo? Maybe. Certainly could be. I don't pretend to know, but I, I do like this conversation. I love words. Katie Cotton, thank you for being a member for more than a year. In my opinion, the settlement means that Michigan thinks Harbaugh and other staff is innocent and the NCAA won't find anything tying them to Stallions. I think that they believe pretty wholeheartedly that Stallions was essentially a rogue actor on this. We've gotten those indications and noises from the university. But the question is, how does that lead to settlement before the hearing? And I think <clears throat> the best argument is that it really was a distraction and they really were concerned that the Big Ten wouldn't care about whether anybody was innocent and they were just going to use the sportsmanship policy however they felt. And we're going to try to hold them out of the championship game or the college football playoff or whatever. And I think the Big Ten could threaten that and it might be a good enough threat for Michigan to back down regardless of whether or not the sign stealing goes to Stallions or above. So it is an interesting question, and I like having these conversations with you all, but I really don't know the answer to it, unfortunately. Britt, thank you so much for the generous super chat. News organizations need to go back to reporting the news and stop trying to make it sexy. Schools and companies need to, need to stop groveling to the online mob and Twitter warriors that complain but do not consume the product. I agree that you can editorialize a lot less than we see in Hangouts and Headlines, right? But that's Part of why I bring them up when I do, and I try to bring up multiple headlines because there are different ways to describe a story, right? So I do think some of the headlines we looked at today did a good job of kind of backing down and just describing what's happening and potentially why. The why is always going to be a little bit editorialized, right? Why is an editorial type question? But I do think there are ways to present that in a way that's a little bit better. And I think The Athletic did that, which is not what I would have said I thought would happen at the start of all this because The Athletic was being a little bit overbroad in some of the editorializing that they were doing. But I think I think all of reporting can do a better job of kind of paring back on some of that editorializing. And I'll continue to call it out and hopefully point out ways that we can read between the lines and understand articles better than the average Twitter warrior, as you describe them, who just looks at the headline and then goes to battle with whoever they want to online. Reasonable minds can differ. They can differ even on the interpretation of headlines. But we all still have to do the critical thinking ourselves and read through these things ourselves. And I don't think that's ever going to change. Thank you, Britt, for the super chat. I really appreciate it. 
<laughs> Mary Jane asks if Mrs. Hogue just called me Richard. He must be in trouble now. Did I? Oh, I did. I got a Richard. That's that's for me telling you to press YouTube's buttons. I'm positive. Uh, Mary Jane says Hogue forgot his own rule. Uh, you know, it's. It, 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 I, I didn't violate any rules. I, I the, the rule is that you have to be family friendly in a kind of prime time context. I'm, I'm using Frasier speak, as it were. So even the 90s would have allowed what I said, but we'll see. KL Burke, thank you for being a member for two months. Is Scott Norwood still playing for the Buffalo Bills? That's the last time I paid attention to football. I don't believe so. I don't believe so. But the Buffalo Bills were a topic of conversation in my hospital stay because of the individual that got almost killed on, I think it was a kick return. And I apologize that I don't remember the details of that story. Again, it's died. Granted, YouTube checks the chat out before they make it available to read through after the stream is finished. And YouTube likes to change the rules all the time and once allowed or not. That does happen, right? So one of the things that's difficult to deal with on YouTube is that they will decide something you put up two years ago is now a violation of their new rules and they will give you a strike and they'll say bad things about you and they'll put notes up about how you're a bad person. And I have videos on this channel about a time that they did that and I fought them and they, they yielded on that. But it does happen and I, I will suspect that it'll happen again. YouTube just announced new AI rules uh, that you're supposed to disclaim when there's AI included in your videos. And we don't use AI art a lot here, but we have used it on occasion with like uh, Tide themselves giving uh, photos of me or the other folks on the BitCast. And it, it's unclear to me entirely right now whether I need to go into those descriptions or hit buttons that suggest that there is at least a little bit of AI content there to match what YouTube wants. And a lot of operating a YouTube channel is trying to guess at what any given person that's reviewing your channel is going to think about any specific issue. So it does make it hard. Third-party platforms are hard to negotiate. I'm just gonna highlight this from Aaron Morgan. Etymology is fascinating. It is, I love words. Words are great. Mary Jane also loves words. This is a great crew. Traveling Science Man also loves words. I love all of you. Thank you for loving words as much as I do. Lawyers love words in general, but I love words maybe more than even my other lawyers' friends do. <laughs> Simply Reader says, if that's not family-friendly, Shrek would never pass muster. I think Shrek wouldn't pass muster for a number of families that I know, uh, but... It was, it, it, it was me being a little bit less discriminate than I sometimes am. And I, I like to do that from time to time. We're not going to turn into EDB shows here, but I'm going to maybe say a few things uh, when we do hangouts and headlines that I might not have done before my mild medical condition this year. Oh, hey, Ty, I've never asked to put my AI picks on the streams. It just kind of happened. Oh, absolutely. No, no, no. I'm not. It's not an accusation. It's a notion of I've watched these rules be proliferated by YouTube, and I think they're primarily designed for thumbnails and things that are like the focus of the video. I wouldn't describe your uh, AI picks as the focus anyway, but I do have to talk with Ains about we may need to hit buttons. We may need to do some disclaimers in the descriptions just to make YouTube happy. And, and this isn't you, Tide. This isn't anything about anything except that YouTube always does this kind of stuff. And you always have to kind of look back and say, did I ever talk about this issue that this is now a banned phrase and I have to go and pull that video or think about what YouTube's gonna think about that two years down the line. And I think it's unjustified entirely, but here we are, right? 
And here we are at about an hour and 20 minutes for this Hangouts and Headlines. So if you do have other questions, if you do have any other comments on this particular topic, uh, it's the it's the final bell. It's the last call here. Let me know at Hoag Law, Super Chats, everything else is fine. Uh, I really do appreciate it. And I wanted to mention while I've got you here that if you're interested in talking about this issue a little bit more, that I am currently scheduled to be on MGO Radio today at about noon, which you can see at the MGO Blog Live uh, YouTube channel. And we'll be talking about these issues with respect to Harbaugh and the sign stealing and the law and the TRO and various other things, I think, in that noon hour. So if you're interested, check it out. Um, I, I will be available there and I will probably link it to the playlist that I keep on this channel called, I think, Code Crossovers and References. Uh, but do do visit there. And I have somebody running into the office here with a post-it note. And the post-it note just says holiday merch next week, which I can only imagine is my merch for this channel. So if you're interested in holiday merch, if you're interested in checking out the store, please do. That is also linked in the description. We've got lots of good stuff on there. And co-counsel is working feverishly to update some of the outfits and styles to have merch for the holiday season. So please do check it out. Thank you for the post-it note. Holiday Gaming Dino, I don't honestly know. I will talk with the manager of the store after this video and find out a little bit more about what's going into that store. But do check it out. Thank you so much. All right. Now, I have the live screen to remind me to check memberships and super chats. I think we're up to speed here. And we are. So thank you, everybody, for visiting with us on Hangouts and Headlines today. Like I said, I think we're going to try to do two videos a week uh, as I get more into the schedule and I get my energy levels back to a place where I'm comfortable with them. Um, but stay with me, bear with me on that and getting to a schedule that I can work and, and continue to be pretty constant on the channel. I will do my best. And I thank all of you for being wonderful supporters of the channel and for me and saying all these nice things about watching my health and whatnot. I really do want to do that, but also don't want to just sit by and not have these fun conversations with all of you. MZ, thank you for being a member for more than a year. Always great to see you live and shedding light on interesting topics on fun hangouts and headlines. Love the vibrant community feel. I love it too. You guys are fantastic. Thank you so much, MZ. And Abigail Corfman says, happy upcoming Thanksgiving. Yes, I should say, as I mentioned this schedule, that it is unlikely that there will be a late week video next week, because if you don't know, it's American Thanksgiving on Thursday. The Detroit Lions will be playing on Thanksgiving as they do and are not scheduled to lose that game as they often do. So we'll see how they go. Uh, but Thanksgiving and then Friday and then the weekend following it are all family time here at Hogue House because the kids are off from school the week after Thanksgiving. And so... There may be a slight shift in the schedule for videos that time period and on. So now that I've announced this, it's a good reminder that Thanksgiving is next week, but I will do my best. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful time. Go blue. We'll see how it goes. And I will see you on the next episode of either Virtual Legality or Hangouts and Headlines. Or please do check out the BitCast. Sundays at 11 a.m. on this channel and on the Season Gaming channel. It's a wonderful time. Even if you don't like video games, we talk about a lot of fun stuff. And Travis never stops trying to argue with me about every topic that exists. So please do check us out there. Otherwise, I will be on MGO Radio later today. 
And then I'll be hanging out playing some Super Mario RPG, which came out today, or the Bluey video game. Who knows? Thank you so much. I will see you on the next stream.